The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International and Music for All. Hey, everybody. It's Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Welcome to Podcast 1200. I'm here with Dr. Mary White. Mary, how are you? I'm doing good, Tim. 1200. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. We've been doing a special sort of podcast conversation on each of the hundreds. Of course, we did something special. We got to 1,000. So now we're 1,200. We're like, okay, well, let's do something special. And of course... You are so special to me, and you and I have uh, been friends forever. So thank you for having this conversation. Well, thank you, Tim, but you're special. Ah, well, thank you. So everybody, we're talking about (laughs) things you may not know. This is the premise here, is things you may not know, either about the podcast, the Marching Roundtable, or really about me. And hopefully you will find some of this interesting, and we're going to give you some things, hopefully, that are sort of advice for how you do your job or how you work with kids or whatever. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Mary, you ready to talk about things they may not know? Well, I got to tell you, I love this topic because I there's things I know about you, Tim, for sure. <laughs> and I'm excited to share them. Oh, what have I gotten myself into? Okay, everybody, well, we'll see where this goes. I have to say I have the power of editing. So if Mary says something that is too embarrassing, I don't know where that's going to go. But I want to start with number one, which is I thought we would start about why we started the podcast 12, 13 years ago. It was 2011. And Mary, you were there. There were four of us that got together, friends that got together from the marching activity, and we decided to start the podcast. And I thought people might not know the story of why we decided to do it. And it's kind of, we started, it was very grassroots effort, I think, too. I mean, Tim, you and I were on a plane one time, like making a list of all the people we wanted on the podcast. Of course, that list has been triple. Well, we had you know, no idea. Yeah, we had no idea that everybody would say yes originally. But yeah, so here's the way it happened, everybody. It's, it's 2010. I hate to tell the story, but I'll tell it honestly. It was 2010, the DCI season in the summer, and a lot of people were grousing about it, right? Like, man, I don't really like the way the shows are being put together. I don't like the choices these design teams are making. Whatever. We, wasn't, we weren't upset about drum corps or the activity or the kids or that were performing or the any kids. of that. But we often sort of groused about, well, you know, the, the, people aren't talking I remember having these conversations all summer, like people aren't really talking about the hard stuff. People aren't, there's things that aren't working for the marching activity and nobody's talking about it. Remember this, Mary, like we were having these conversations amongst all of our friends. Right. And it's, um, there was a lot of conversation all over the place, you know, all different forums. And how do you get this centralized into one forum? Right. And And that. Well, and particularly people weren't talking about the hard stuff. Like there wasn't a place where I think there was a safe space. This was our idea, everybody, is let's create a place where we're going to be respectful and be friends. And we're going to really have professional people get together and talk about the hard things that people aren't talking and create a safe space so that people can come in and say, well, here's what I really think about this difficult issue in our activity. And so that's why we did it. We were sitting around grousing about things. And one day we were like, well, maybe rather than just sitting around complaining, maybe we actually like do something to help. And that's, and mm-hmm. so, and then, uh, you know, somebody was like, well, let's do a podcast. And at the time, everybody, 2011, we're all like, what the hell's a podcast? Like, what's that? Right. So we were on the cutting edge of podcast, Mary. Like, I didn't even know what it was when we got together to do it. I mean, you really spearheaded Tim. I mean, you were really on the cutting edge of podcasts because you really, made this happen and made it happen all these years later. Well, we were podcasts before people knew what podcasts were before they were super cool, but we were, we were really there in in the early, early stages. Our first goal of course was like, can we do one every couple of weeks? You know? And then of course it didn't take long before we were doing two a week. And we did that for years and years and years and years and years. So anyway, in case anybody was, was wondering, 
we decided to help rather than sit around and complain. And I would encourage that for anybody is if you find yourself sitting around complaining and talking to your friends about things, then then stop for a minute like we did, I hope, and say, all right, well, what can we do to make this better? What does Mr. Rogers say, Tim? Look to the helpers. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's not one of my favorite quotes. We look, we help, you know? Well, and actually that's one of, I use that in my life a whole lot because a lot of times I'm sitting around frustrated about the way people are acting or things that are going badly or horrible things that happen. And I do, I use that quote a lot personally. Okay, wait a minute. Let's find somebody that's there helping. Let's find somebody that's there um, making things better, even in the worst catastrophes. Right. Okay. So number two, people, things that people may not know. People may not know. So I hear you, everybody. I didn't know, Mary, if people knew that I have a second degree black belt in martial arts. Yay. Ding, ding, ding. Isn't that (laughs) awesome, Tim? I mean, why'd you start that? Yeah, I'm really proud about that. Thank you very much. Um, It's been a long time. It took about, I don't know, seven or eight years at least, maybe more. Um, I started because I've been a gym guy my whole life, right? I've always been in the gym and I was having this big shoulder problem that wasn't going away. And I, 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 it's, as people know, it's just like if you throw your rifle too many times, you get an overuse thing. I was not, my mechanics weren't great. And so I went to this wonderful osteopath and was in her office and she's looking at me and what's going on with my shoulder and the x-rays and the whole thing. And she's like, okay, Tim, you need to move your shoulder differently. Cause think about everybody. If you're in the gym, you tend to use, you tend to use certain directions and angles. Like you push the sure. bench press straight up. You take the, the, the dumbbell out to the side straight up. And she was like, if you're watching the video, you can see this everybody, but she's like, you need to be moving your arms in all these other planes, all these other angles. And so, and that's what I needed. And so she said, okay, you're having this shoulder issue. We need to get you, we need to get you moving your joints and your angles and everything and all on all these other planes that you're not using in the gym. Um, and, and also, because I'd been in the gym and I'd been strengthening certain muscles a lot and they were getting really big, but then a lot of connecting tissue and joints and tendons and things were not mm-hmm. strong, again, because of that limited direction of motion. All right, she, said, she said, you can do yoga or you can do martial arts. And she said, and since yoga re- re- really requires a lot of holding yourself, like you use your shoulders a lot in yoga to stabilize and, and hit the different poses. She's like, that's probably not the best choice. Right. So let's do martial arts. And I have to tell you, Mary, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm not interested because in my mind, martial arts was all hitting somebody. I didn't want to get hit. I didn't want to hit anybody. I didn't want to get into a fight. Right. I didn't want to. That's what I thought it was. And it's absolutely not, is it? Well, it's not for me, at least. Some people some, some people do martial arts where it's very it's combative and you do spar with a partner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just don't like that. I don't I don't like hitting. I don't like getting hit, whatever. I can never be one of the I don't know how those football players do it. That you know, there they are. Nobody but, likes to get hit, Tim. I, I mean, I don't like to get hit. But here's the thing. So what I turned out what I found out, I found this wonderful place over in Orlando called the Martial Arts Center for Health. And it's all about the forms and you're moving doing exactly what the doctor wanted me to do. I was moving my body, doing like Tai Chi, basic sort Mm of um, karate movements and things that were very controlled. You learn, you sort of like dance. You lose, you learn this series of movements that creates a form that you then repeat and your body starts to open and your joints get stronger. Anyway, it's been revolutionary for me. I would encourage anybody 
to find such a place as I did. If you're wanting to make your body move better, if you feel like you're tight or your muscles aren't strong or uh, you can't move or you're afraid of falling, which of course is the scary thing for as we get older, you don't want to fall. So the, no, we don't want to bring age into this, Tim, though. We well, cannot bring it. I uh, normally bring age into this, but I can't. Well, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think as I get older, I have to make sure that my body is strong. I don't want to fall and get hurt. I want to make sure yeah. that I have better balance. I want to make sure that I'm stronger in all the ways. So it has helped me in all those ways. My body is now more open, more, I can move better. I'm less tight. Um, yes, as I'm at an age now where I have to get up and stretch and move each day to make sure that my, my body keeps moving. But every day sure. that I do martial arts, my body feels more open, more better stretching, all that. You know what? Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Tim, but you even continued this during the pandemic. Well, I've done it this whole time. Sure. Yeah, they did. They went switch to yeah. online classes like a lot of people did. And I, there I was in my living room doing martial arts with the instructor on Zoom, of course, like everybody else was um, since then. And I'm still doing it now that I've moved to Tampa. I'm still doing remote classes mm -hmm. because I can't get into cool. the studio in Orlando. But anyway, I, it's been revolutionary for me. I don't have to hit anybody which is not something I want to do in the type of martial arts I'm interested in. But anyway, there's a little nugget. Um, let's Love move. the nugget. I feel like we're talking a lot about me. So let's jump ahead to the topic I wanted to talk about, which is you and I have been working together with bands for a really long time. There's nothing I like more, Mary, than for you and I to show up at a band rehearsal on a Saturday morning, and we have like six hours dedicated to help a band make their show better. And that is so much and fun. I love that time too, Tim. It's one of my very favorite times of the year. And of course, Mary, I you, look and, to yeah, you and I have known each other since somewhere in the early to mid nineties. And we've been doing this together and working on shows together all this time. So everybody, we've, we sort of can, I, I can anticipate your next sentence when we're on the field working with, working with the group. But here's the thing I want to say, Mary, when you, you often work with color guards and you will stand in front of no matter what, what band we walk into, doesn't matter if they have five kids or 25 kids who are world-class level, whatever. I've seen you transform them. In the in the space of maybe two or three hours, suddenly they're all standing up taller. They're performing with so much more confidence. Suddenly they're all spinning together. They're performing up to the box instead of just themselves. Do you have any nuggets you want to share on how you're able to make that kind of transformation with these groups so quickly? Oh my gosh, Tim, this isn't about me. This is about you and well, this great podcast. Okay, I'll tell you. No, I'm just, <laughs> one of the things is I I try to build confidence in themselves um, that they have all the tools they need, mainly because their instructors and their teachers have given them the tools they need. But I just say what their teachers probably have said to them and then I build their confidence. I do lots of promotions like, oh my gosh, you're doing that so great. Let me take a photograph of you. I do lots of praise like that, very specific praise, nothing like, oh, good job, gang. No, nothing like that. Um, I also find a lot of models. So when those models are like, oh my gosh, you did that toss perfect, do it again. Everybody toss like Susie. And then, then Susie feels great. Then uh, there's lots of that. Um, I give a lot of people confidence. Plus I, I know something about the flagpole. Um, and uh, weapons and stuff, so I can clean them. I know how to clean them. So it's really, oh gosh, Tim, I don't want to, I could talk well, all day about But you this. pointed out the thing that I think is best, which is you use positive reinforcement better than anybody I've ever seen. So rather than saying, okay, Susie, you really missed that. You, you were slow on count four. Instead, you're looking over at Amanda and you're like, 
Amanda, your count four was perfect. You were exactly there where you're supposed to be. Everybody watch her do this. And then Amanda goes one, two, three, four. And then it's like, look, everybody, look how amazing. And notice how she's standing up so tall and performing. In other words, you're using those models that you just described to demonstrate the positive things. And what I love about that is rather than a kid being beat up, like, oh, man, I miscount four again. Instead, they're like, oh, I want to be like Amanda. Like, look how great she looks. And and she's getting praise from the instructor. Mary, I don't think this is a skill a lot of instructors have. They don't realize that by pointing out the positive, the things that are right, everybody jumps on board. Everybody does. I mean, it's this is not new. This is not new pedagogy, Tim. This is, you know, from Maria Montessori to all the ped, you know, all through the teaching ages. I do want to tell say another thing. I get everybody to stand straight up too, and that is very, very important. When everybody watches each other stand straight up, they're like, "Oh my gosh, we look so good," and I that happens. And one of the ways that happens is you explain in terminology, first of all, that they understand how this alignment thing works and how, you know, the equipment moves your body and things like that. So when that's explained in terminology, they understand with awesome models and real confidence boosters. It's like, to me, it's really, it's the funnest thing I ever do. Well, it is wonderful. And I have to tell you, though, that that's the thing that's so transformative is I'll see you go over there and start working with that little group of guard kids, right? And then like, I'll look over there an hour later and they're standing up tall and they're using their space and their equipment is away from their body. And all of a sudden they look completely different. And I don't, I don't, I don't think the instructor they had, it doesn't know what they're doing. I just feel like there's right. some premise of here's a fresh new person who also is giving me confidence and showing me that you're modeling for them what that looks like. And I feel like all the best instructors do that, no matter what you're doing, if it's how to march eight to five or spin a rifle or, or play your drum, if you show them what it looks like to stand there with confidence and take up that space and stand up correctly, then they will model it. Sure. And most likely their instructors have said the same thing. It's just, um, we call that um, the man with the briefcase. When the man with the briefcase comes in, everybody listens and that there's some of that to it too. You know, but it's it's great to do, Tim. It's great to help units feel good about themselves and to teach kids and feel great. I mean, nobody wants to feel bad. Nobody. Well, I love when we get to do that together. Um, sometimes we get to work with if I if I'm writing a show for a band. Sometimes you and I and you, you help me with a lot of those shows too. We will go in and and have some clinics, and it's wonderful, very exciting. We get to do the fun part. We get them excited. We get to add a whole bunch of new stuff. And then they have to sit, they have to stay and clean it. But I will say, Tim, like, yes, that, that whole thing was about me, which was not what this podcast was supposed to be about. What I can say is that when we do these clinics, you know, the band director will sometimes say, this isn't working. I don't think this is going to work. I don't. And you get in front of the band and a couple of hours later, the entire show works. The entire show in terms of pacing, in terms of storyline, in terms of musicality. I mean, it works. Yeah, I think you just have to get kids excited sometimes. And it's very easy when we're a staff member and we're there every day that we all sort of get into this grind. And, oh, there's the same person. They're making those same comments again or whatever. So the advantage we have of coming in as an outside person is we can sort of get them stirred up and get them excited and let them think about their show a different way. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody can't do that with their own group. Sure. And you're not a man with a briefcase. You're a man with a yellow legal pad, Tim. 
I mean, always <laughs> the funniest thing. Like for years and years and years, Tim loves a yellow legal pad. That's probably what you didn't something you didn't know, but um, yeah. If you're if you're but, watching the video version of this, I have my notes on a yellow legal pad today. I do love them. So we would be at up at night struggling with something in the show, and then. At breakfast, you would come with your legal pad and the whole thing and your drill charts, sticky notes on the drill charts, and the entire thing would be solved. And I'm like, when did you do that, Tim? And yeah, well, but that's that's the creative process. Yeah, the creative process for me, part of it happens when I'm sleeping. But I, the way it works for me, at least, is you put, and I hope this works for everybody, you put all the ideas in there, and then you need to, like, get out of the way and let your brain do its work. That's why it's helpful right. to go, like, go walk the dog or take a shower or go for a walk or whatever, because if you can't, you can't just push, push, push. And I do know that you and I will talk about something's not working, blah, 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 and usually it will come popping out at some point. Like, over over the over the Raisin brand the next morning, I'll be like, oh, there it is. Sure. I know how to make this work. Yeah, love it. I mean, you're really good at that. Well, I think you are, too. I think everybody can be, but the, the trick is trust the creative process and the creative creative instinct. I feel like there's this power out here in the universe, which is bringing me creative ideas. And I have to trust that if I put, if I've done my work and I've made a show that really should work, then the right answer presents itself. And the other nice sure. thing too, Mary is also the longer we do this, the more little tricks we have in our trick, our little tool bag. Right. So I know that I have, all right, this isn't working, but I have 10 different things I know I can try to make this moment work because I've been mm -hmm. there and I've been through it. And that's why everybody, it's helpful to have people that have been around a while in to look at your show and give you advice because they know they have tools in their toolkit that they can help you. Well, with. we certainly have learned by failure for sure too. <laughs> for sure. That's built up the toolkit. Yeah, th th things not to do. And that's what I, I love that all the great instructors and, that I've talked to in the podcast over all these years, the great designers, they always say, I don't want everybody to make all these mistakes I made. But it's through making those mistakes that you figure out what does work and you have those those toolkits to share with people. So anyway, I love when we do this together. I love that you're so great in front of a group of kids. And I love how the creative process works if we trust it. So just know the answer is there, everybody. And if you can't figure it out, there's somebody... Call me and Mary, call somebody. Somebody can help you figure that out. Bring somebody fresh in, fresh eyes and ears in and let them see it. Okay, next thing I was going to talk about is, Mary, you were there when this happened in DCI in 1982. Yes, everybody, that's how old I was. I marched in the Phantom Regiment. As I'm sure everybody knows that about me at this point. 80, 81, 82. And in 1982, I did win the French Horn Individual Award and something I'm really proud of. And it might be something people don't know. It's awesome, Tim. And I do remember this because um, it was in Montreal, Canada. Yes. And um, they then they had they announced they called it I and E at the time, right? Yes, it was an individual ensemble. What is it called now? I, I, it's gone now. I think. Oh no! I thought they were still doing it. Oh well. Anyway, sorry everybody. We're so not up on it. They, they changed the name to show, Performer Showcase, maybe something like that. I don't know. Something like that. So now, um, and then we, they were shutting down the Metro, which is the, the a railway station. So we, everybody had to kind of leave when they were announcing these I&E awards. And we were walking out toward the Metro station. And I remember them announcing the awards and then making a big deal about getting a perfect score of 100. And they announced your name. Now, I didn't know you, Tim, but we talked about, my brothers and I talked about, that kid just got a perfect score which was unheard of at the time. 
Well, this is my little piece of DCI history that I'm sharing today, in case you didn't know it. Um, is Yeah, I was the first person to get a perfect 100 score in the this individual ensemble thing, and that's a little feather in my cap, my little piece of DCI history that I'm really proud of. By the way, if you're interested in anybody, I was playing the French Horn Bugle with the Phantom Regiment, and I remember standing up in the in the little in the room where everybody was there were the judges were up in the back and everybody was an audience and I remember standing there. I did an arrangement of the overture to Rousselon and Ludmilla, which is my favorite all time overture. If you don't know it, everybody Fabulous. get get listen to the overture by Glinka, the overture to Rousselon and Ludmilla, and I did a arrangement that included some licks from the Bridgman, which was kinda weird. But anyway, it was my claim to fame was I got I got the perfect score. So I was proud of that. And I was there and I remember it. I mean all these years later. Yeah, when you were in the audience and that night when we were at finals, and I'm glad that you're sort of here to say, like, yes, this really happened. Tim isn't making this up. <laughs> Back and verified. Okay. Not fake news at all. All right. So let's see. What else have we not talked about that's on my list? Um, well, does ever, I don't know if everybody knows. They might have been paying attention that I started baking during the pandemic. Um, you know, everybody, a lot of people picked up new things that they, you know, I've got all this time. What am I going to do? I've always wanted to be better in the kitchen, feel like I could make a cake or cookies or brownies or something without it being a disaster. I never got that married growing up. You know, my sisters were in the kitchen learning things from my mom, but I was the one mowing the grass and taking out the garbage and do, taking care of the dog. And I just, I never was in the kitchen. I regretted that now. I wish my mom was a wonderful cook and I wish I knew had gotten all of that information she from her. She's a great baker. She's, she was a great baker. Yeah, she's not baking anymore, but I've gotten her recipe box, by the way, Mary. I was able to acquire her recipe box. So I have some of that. But I started baking. And and listen, here was the thing, everybody. It's really good to learn, try to do something new that you're going to be terrible at. I think this is really good for you. Like, I was bad at this. I did not know anything. I mean, I was asking people, like, you know, what does this mean, this size of pan? And how do you measure out the flour? Like, I didn't know anything. And I will say this. The first thing I tried to make was a chocolate cake. For some reason, I was going to make the perfect chocolate cake right out of the box, right? Not out of the box, out of scratch, but I was going to make it right out of the gate, shall we say. So anyway, you know what happened, Mary. I pulled the, I pulled my chocolate cake out of the oven and put it straight into the trash can. It was completely inedible. And I was like, okay, I'm really bad at this. I'm going to try again. And so what my point here is First off, that was when I was like, oh, I guess I really need to follow the directions closely. And maybe I do need to measure these things really closely. So that's like a basic baking thing, everybody. I'm embarrassed to say. But what it was good for me to be terrible at something. I think people in our society, sure. in our culture, we feel like whatever you try to do, you have to be great at it. And that's not true. It's really good to try something new and be terrible at it, whether it's martial arts or baking or learning a new skill or picking up that rifle for the first time. Playing an instrument. Yeah, you're going to be terrible, but it's okay to be terrible at something. I love that idea. And who is, I, I'm trying to think of the 10,000 hours. Erickson, is that his name, the researcher? Oh, yeah, About 10,000 hours worth of practice to get really good at something. And you've baked a lot of banana breads, Tim. <laughs> I have. That's the thing I've made the most, probably, because... You know, bananas go bad. What are you going to do with them? Plus, banana breads travel well. I love to ship things off to people. I love to mail people some baked good in the mail. And banana breads travel great, everybody. If you want to send somebody a little, hey, I hope I hope you feel better. You know, I did that during the pandemic, Mary. Everybody was struggling and everybody was down. And I was like, let me try to send a little piece of joy. So I would send somebody a banana bread. And I got really good at making banana breads, I have to say. And I have been... Um... I have been part of that largesse of yours, for sure. (laughs) 
Well, anyway, I've made, yeah. and, and then of course I got into zucchini breads and every, all, all kinds of stuff that, that, that travel well. And of course I shipped a whole lot of things to my parents during those years of the pandemic. My dad loved getting anything I would want to bake, cookies or whatever. Um, my mom was at the point where she wasn't really baking anymore. So he was always happy to get my care packages, which reminds me of the funniest story, which by the way, he used to, the, the, the mailman used to deliver the package and put it outside the back door and he would always know that it was there and bring it in and then he would open it up and oh look it's peanut butter cookies oh look it's a banana bread whatever so there was the <laughs> did I ever tell you this story about the night that he didn't know no. that it was there so there was <laughs> he was so upset my dad he's like always looking forward to these baked goods for me so the he didn't know one night so the mail must have come late he had one of those houses where the mail came at sporadic different times during the day I can get Mars can be like that at my house so anyway this big package I had wrapped I learned to wrap things up really big because, you know, you want it to get there in one piece. What's so in this big box, a bigger box than usual. I had put peanut butter cookies in this box and it was sitting outside his back door. Well, he did not realize that it had arrived, that there was a box that night. So he gets up the next morning to go out to get the newspaper. And lo and behold, there it is by the back door. And of course, you probably can guess from there, there was a, a squirrel had attacked the box. A raccoon. A a squirrel or a raccoon or something had smelled those peanut butter cookies and had literally gnawed through the box, gnawed through the box inside the box, gnawed through all the wrapping, the plastic paper. And so my dad was so upset that he had to throw away this whole giant box of, of peanut butter cookies. Yeah. That's funny, Tim. And I hadn't heard that story, but it's I a mean, great one. So he was inordinately upset. Like he was really mad at squirrels for quite a while. <laughs> because, because, but I will say this. I did learn to, I bought boxes to mail that were exactly the size of his mailbox. I figured out what that was. And so I no longer sent him any box that wasn't big enough to fit into his mailbox on the street so that the, the critters couldn't get it. Yeah. Anyway. That's funny, Tim. I know, I know that you, one of the things that I think you're really good at is learning new things. I mean, you are, you know, you learned Taekwondo, you learned, I'm not, no, I'm sorry, martial arts, you learned um, baking, you learned all these things. And now again, like you have such a growth mindset, you're onto something kind of new-ish. Yeah, we're talking for, about that next. Right? Uh, yeah, my, my husband and I started a bed and breakfast before I mentioned that, though. That's the way we felt when we started the podcast, Mary. We were like, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't even know what it was. How right? are we going to do this? Let's just try. Let's try to see if we can do something to be helpful. And that's the other thing, the common thread is not only the podcast, but the baking. Is It's nice to just do something nice for somebody. You know, hold that door open, um, you know. I never, I have a, I have a rule in my life that I never drive by a lemonade stand without stopping. Um, it, that's just one of those things. If a kid's being an entrepreneur and he has, then that per- little kid has a, I'm stopping and I'm giving them a big tip. If they want 10 cents, I'm giving them the dollar. I mean, that makes their whole day, right? So anyway, just a little side note, but it's nice to do things that are helpful. Um, it is nice. You mentioned it. My, Compliment somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you look great today. Like your hair. Yeah. And yeah I've, I've, all that stuff. Like even the cashier at the grocery store or whatever, like this, you know, people treat them really badly, you know, and of course I understand we all have rough days and we can't really always be at our best, but um, it's nice to just be pleasant sometimes and try to make sure somebody's day is nice. Uh, so anyway, and yes, it makes your day nicer. It does. Too, it makes it makes me feel better, and I love when somebody gets one of my baked goods in the mail or something, and they're excited and they let me know that it brightened their day. Um, that's a really small thing, um, but anyway, find your listen, everybody, find your own version of that. 
Back to the bed and breakfast. My husband and I have started a new bed and breakfast here in Tampa, Florida. It's called the Phantom History House. If you haven't, I mean, I've been mentioning it on some of the things we've been doing, but go to phantomhistoryhouse.com. It's called Phantom History House because my my husband, Steve, has a podcast called Phantom History. It's about haunted places and the history behind it. So it's like there's a famous building, a house, a mansion, a whatever, a hotel. There's stories of paranormal activity there. So he'll find out the history behind the place, and then he'll talk to investigators and find out, okay, well, who is what's supposedly haunting this? And what are the stories of, of experiences people have had there? I'm not one that has typically been into sort of scary stuff, horror movies, paranormal right. stuff. But if I've gotten into it, I mean, I definitely think it's very interesting. Our bed and breakfast is themed to this same thing. So we call it creepy yet comfortable. Um, it's sort of like a little bit of a haunt, you know, a, a beautiful Victorian mansion in a horror movie. You know, something bad It's a little bit of a creepy vibe to it, but it's gorgeous. This gorgeous place. You don't mind spending time. That's sort of what we're going for. And has nice sheets and towels. Yeah, that's the comfortable part for sure. We bought the highest sure. in linen, linen, uh, you know, bed sheets and pillowcases and really high end towels. Mary, you helped us with that. Help find those. Sure, I help, and I, I, I loved, I love being a part of it at the ground level. Tim, but you guys have worked so, so hard to yeah. really make this work and make it comfortable for everyone. And I have to say, I'm not a, I'm not comfortable with scary or creepy or tense or anything like that. And I'm, I think it's beautifully done, immaculately done and really well appointed. So, I mean, Thanks. congratulations to you guys, but I, um, I, you've worked so hard on it and it's, it's taken a long time, but again, once again, you like are learning something new. You're, you're doing laundry every day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you're cleaning bathrooms every day and you're having to like run a household and be an entrepreneur at the same time. It's yeah, and it, quite a people often said to us, have you ever worked in the hospitality before? And we're like, no, we have no idea what we're doing, but it's the same as with everything else. We're learning as we go. And we're very excited, Mary, because we feel like we have this wonderful space. It's a great weekend getaway for to have a birthday party or an event or just come spend a night sure. and sort of turn off the world when we're very quiet. We're an acre of land with a wildlife preserve behind us. We see deer quite often late at night or in the in the early morning time. So it's it's very sort of get away from the world, even though we're really close to all the restaurants and stores and everything. But the reason I mention all that is because we just were very excited. Yesterday we booked our first wedding day getting ready location thing. And there's That's you know awesome. like the part the wedding party has to go somewhere and get ready for the wedding. And we have realized that we are perfect for that. Like, you know, we have these four bedrooms in the, so this, the bride and her groom are going to be here. The guys are going to be in a couple of the bedrooms. The girls are going to be getting ready in a couple of the bedrooms. The, the hairdresser's coming at 9 a.m. to start on the hair and makeup. And the whole thing's right. going to and happen. Everybody has their own bathroom. Absolutely. Because every bedroom here has a bathroom. So there's lots of mirrors and lots of bathrooms and everybody's going to get ready here. And then the family's going to come and sort of hang out. And then they're all going to leave and go to the wedding. So we're very excited to be a get ready for the wedding venue. Um, that's something we're really hoping to do. So everybody, if you, uh, have any kind of event you want to have a, a weekend getaway, the girls' night out, uh, bring your book club. Anyway, we're excited about those kind of things, Mary. We love to make people feel comfortable and um, enjoy a little getaway from the world. I love it, Tim. Really, again, another thing that you have like taken on and you're learning as you're going and you're like really practicing at it and getting good at it. 
Yeah. So everybody, you do take, so well. yeah. Thank you. So take chances, everybody. Learn something new. Learn something new that has nothing to do with band or color guard or marching band or whatever. Like get get hobbies and friends completely outside of that world. I think that's very very important. Um, because you don't, you, you want, don't want to be a one track mind. I mean, it's, it's very easy to love it so much and want to spend all your time in that one world, but it's really good to step outside of it. And it's really good, Tim, as you have said before, sometimes when your mind is so concentrated on something, then you step away from it. When you come back to it, it's all new, fresh eyes and some new ideas and a little bit in, of enlightenment, if you will, you know, yeah. for sure. At the very, That's why it's really good. Yeah, at the very least, go to a movie. I mean, we all know that that you just turn your mind off. But I would say, get a hobby, find something to go do something. Pick up, pick up bowling, golf, macrame. I don't care what it is. Like, figure something out that's completely a whole other part of your brain, and that allows you then to for when you go back to your regular career work and your passion that allows you to be better at it. So I do feel like that's something that has served me really well. And Mary, I know it served you well as well in your life. Um, all right. Things they may not have known. I hope it was, hope people enjoyed listening to it. Mary, this was fun conversation. I loved it, Tim. <laughs> thanks for having this conversation with me and listen, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We're at 1200 now, which is crazy. We're going, we're still going here. Amazing. So thank you so much to the people that have come on to talk with us. Thank you to the people that have sponsored so that we could sort of uh, keep the lights on and keep doing this. Thank you to Aaron Osborne, who edited every single one of the 1200 podcasts. He's absolutely amazing. Um, awesome. Thank you to everybody. And Mary, thanks again for talking. You got it, Tim. This podcast is sponsored by FJM, Fred J. Miller Incorporated. FJM is the leader in marching arts uniform manufacturing and continues to lead the charge through groundbreaking design, superior service, and over 60 years of industry innovation. The Cesario collection of marching band uniforms is 100% machine washable, includes a limited lifetime warranty, and makes the fitting process a breeze with their adjust-a-cuff and adjust a hem technology. Now is the perfect time to create a new image for your program. Chat with a live FJM representative or schedule your complimentary consultation today at fjminc.com slash roundtable. That's fjminc.com slash roundtable. Fred J. Miller Incorporated, family owned and operated since 1960.